Oh, boots and clothes are all in pawn. Go down, you blood red roses, go down. It's bloody drafty round Cape Horn. Go down, you blood red roses, go down. Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern, spooky, and semi-historical. This is Carolina Girl Heather. And this is Florida Man Tony. And as usual, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. Please do, join us. Do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> so this is part two of what we did last week with Brad Lee. Yep. So I'm not going to do the entire intro, but this is still Ren Fair. This is still Pirates Christmas, November 5th and 6th. Um, today we're talking to the entire band, Pirates Royale. <laughs> Five crazy guys. Oh my goodness. Um, we will just go ahead and explain, while recording, we laugh so hard, they are very wrong, very wrong people. Oh, yes, but it was such a good time. Oh my god, I have not laughed that hard in years. They introduce themselves kind of in a round robin, but we have Eric Booker, mm-hmm. who plays Jimmy the Crimp, mm-hmm. and he mentions a stick, he has a stick that kind of looks like a pair of legs, it just divides, it looks like... Jen's like, pan flute from or, Dark Crystal, like but a, bigger. like the dowsing sticks. Yeah, yeah it kind of does. Is, yeah. We have Tim Shaw, who mm-hmm. plays Jack Rackham. Mm-hmm. Damon Hirsch, who plays, I want to say Louis L'Amour, but it's Louis D'Amour. Yeah. And he does his entire intro in kind of Moorish Spanish. Which, Matt, I, which I knew like 30 words of. A, a <laughs> cop prostitute. And Matt Salisbury, who is Ensign Stubbs. Mm-hmm. And there are a few other people who are part of Pirates Royale who were not here, but yeah. we'll cover... These are the ones we know of. And this is Claudia and... Uh, Jennifer Bell are their violinists. Yeah. But the five gentlemen, <laughs> they were an experience. But yes, we are only able to do so much with the editing, so if you are of conservative and easily disturbed spirits, just wait till some other time. <laughs> then again, if you are of easily disturbed spirits, what are you doing listening to yeah, us? Yeah, why are you listening to us? But here they are. We're going to introduce you now to Pirates Royale. So please welcome to our microphone the collection of Pirates Royale, which we are so glad to have with us. We talked a little bit with their captain already. and we Oh, are Captain, so- my captain. Yes, that exactly. But we wanted to hear your stories as a group. So dare I ask... Oh. How did you all meet? So I was well, there in the walking down the street one day. That went on for like two and a half minutes. But back to the interview. That's fascinating. Can we go around? That would probably let, work better. Brad, I'll let you direct this since they're used to listening to you. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. That's so Okay, well, allegedly, you're the captain, so... I'll let them take direction there. Who do we talk with here? Well, I tell you, in the band currently, we have Tim Shaw, and we also have Eric Booker. The three of us have been in this institution since the very beginning. The very, 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 very beginning. And The ones uh, that you so- affectionately refer to as the early knuckleheads? Yes. Awesome. Uh, okay. That would be us. So, <laughs> So I would direct an origin question their way. I know you've heard my version. Absolutely. Uh, mine involved a lot of velveteen. Uh, <laughs> theirs might involve some other things. Okay. All right. Spandex Sorry. and latex. <laughs> the staples of a good story. Yes. All right. I'll let you two choose. Who wants to go first? How did this, how did you get into this? Uh-oh. Go ahead, Tim. I lost a bet. <laughs> the tragic tale and it involved um, lots of velveteen uh, brad and i had known each other for a number of years and uh, i was working as one of queen elizabeth's beef eaters and we had a horrible year of rain it rained 11 out of 13 days the festival was open we put they the only- rain in renaissance Oh my it gosh, we had a season like that, and we referred to it as the it was, Dagobah season. It was it was miserable beyond words, and uh, the guards weren't allowed to wear our, our costumes. And they said, "Why don't you guys dress like pirates?" And then we were toying around with Brad and his our 
Barbarian Scottish friends. Um, and then the following year, the weather was beautiful. And they said, you guys were so great as pirates. And I guess we made other people mad. Uh, <laughs> so they said, why, why don't you guys be pirates? And then we snuck into the festival auditions and Eric was not underaged at all. No, no. A number of years. My mom drove me to auditions. To be fair, so did mine. And I was so much older. Eric drank a lot, and we didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> His liver condition is completely Brad's fault. Um, okay, I did that. The scabies, they're all me. I, I may have gotten suspended from my junior year in high school once because I had a bottle of brandy in my car from festivals. Yeah. Wow. I picked it up at the campsite, left it in the back of my car, forgot about it until my administrator found it. Yeah, that was my fault. So so anyway, that, that, that's, how, that's how we started. And then shortly thereafter, Matt was a fanboy who kept coming to everyone in the shows. And... Uh, I, I stepped away to do some other stuff at the festival and Matt slipped into Brad's, what were then known as DMs, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. his, doc, his Doc Martens, um, <laughs> Dr. Martens boots, boots. Dr. Martens boots, boots. Uh, and, and Damon showed up, I don't know. I I was I wasn't entirely sober the years that Damon kind of showed up like a specter. It, he was there favorite. and then he wasn't, and then he was there and then he wasn't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my understanding that when I left to the to to join the military, um, that they needed a new young pretty boy, so they hired Matt. And then when Matt left, they hired Damon to replace him as the new young pretty boy. Meanwhile, for a while there, we had him. concurrent pretty boys in the band as well, and that was <laughs> that was very popular. And now we're one. all over fifty, and we're neither young nor pretty. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm adorable. Yeah. I'll always be adorable. You will. I, I was I was glad that I came when I did, and I mean that in in in. Full sincerity. <laughs> temporal I, sense. In the temporal, in the temporal sense. sense. Temporal. Otherwise, your lovely children would would never be here. Never That's be right. Here. That's right. But they'd look, uh, they'd look but like the, they'd look like my old roommate. <laughs> they would. Um uh because I, I missed the, the year of the Maryland Rainlot Festival. Um uh and the and the year I came, it was it was the year I started with the band. Uh, <laughs> It was a zero rain year. We had Seaman. zero rain days the entire year I was there. Spunk. First Man, just for you, sir. He's he's full of spunk, Matt. Yes. Seaman. Seaman. Uh, spunky Seaman. That's me. And then, you know, <laughs> Matt. That was our band name do... the second year. <laughs> right. After the singing sea dogs, we were the spunky seamen. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they'd let that happen at CRF. Maybe we're at Maryland, but not at our fair. <laughs> For a while there, we were Boonahaben, which is almost Albanac. <laughs> right. With, it's Albanac without the drums or the... Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, could don't. It's not could do, it's could don't. <laughs> so dare I ask, I'm almost afraid to. So we started talking about Bradley and Fletcher Moon and the story of the ship. I don't know how to point each of you out, but can you tell us a little bit about who you are on the ship, your character, your pirate persona? One at a time, please. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. And uh, no one says anything. <laughs> Damon, go ahead. Well, as his character, okay. 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 Estaba atravesando las calles aquí, acá, aquí, acá, pero un día estaba un barco y un hombre se viene que tiene una barba como así y blanca como nieve. I have a lovely red pencil box. My name is Fletcher Tiberius Moon. 
My name es solo las palabras Tiberius que oigo. Moon. No puedo recordar nada más, porque atrás de mí fue un Jimmy el Crimpo. Where is the library? Y me da golpes atrás de la cabeza. Cuando me levantó, my left ear is slightly larger dice, than my right ear. Jack Rackham. No tengo la menor que idea que él es eso. Pero en el otro lado del cuarto estaba un mono. No, lo siento. No es un monkey. Objects in mirror appear closer than they seem. Es un stubby. <laughs> y esta es la historia de Luis el Morro. Yeah. See, I, I love exactly, how he tells that story. I, I understood I, exactly I, 30 words of that. <laughs> so so yeah, much passion. But Louis the Moor. <laughs> yeah, but 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 the captain was yeah. giving his 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 commentary. He he was actually translating. I hope you got the translation. <laughs> A little bit, yes. <laughs> a, a cunning linguist. Reading the Reader's <laughs> Digest Bridge version. The I Spanish more of the group. <laughs> Louis the Moor, right? So uh, the bastard son of a Spanish prostitute and a Moorish invader. Fantastic. And he grew, he grew up on the streets and then uh, trying to stay out of trouble. One day he went down to the harbor and this larger than life figure with a white beard came up and says, I'm Fletcher Tiberius Moon. <laughs> what are you doing? And then, and that was did, the last did he thing say, you, you shall not pass? <laughs> you shall not pass. No, I don't remember because somewhere out of nowhere, Stick came, a cudgel came, and I woke up on the board. <laughs> yeah, see, I called I called that part about being hit in the head. That's my that's where I come in. Jimmy the Crimp. That's that's what I, I do. Woke, I, I, I woke up to go see ahead. a man named Jack. And then somewhere in the corner I thought I saw a monkey, but it actually turned out to be stubby. <laughs> he was doing finger puppets with his wingy. And and literally If you go back, that's everything I said. Nice. We'll trust you. <laughs> I don't know if we'll keep it all in, but we'll trust I, like, you. I understand a little bit of Spanish, like un poquito, but that's, I mean, like, <laughs> just a little bit. Es el gato in mi pantalones. <laughs> that does sound like a problem. The, the stick that he mentioned happened to be this particular stick. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a great piece of driftwood that I picked up on the coast of Nova Scotia. And um, true story. I, I, and and like I just have it. to say, this is one of the most sexiest sticks you will ever find. It's pretty damn sexy. That is a sexy stick. I mean, when it so culminates like in say, the crotch area, it's it's, it's alluring. It's, I'd like it's to say before before that stick met my skull, both legs were straight. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who's got a sexy stick? <laughs> I hear a very song coming on. So, so uh, I'm I'm uh, Ensign Wesley Stubbs. I'm, I'm actually the son of Fletcher Tiberius Moon's sister, favorite and, sister, and favorite, favorite sister. Except she really doesn't like him, and so no. she gave him me. Yes. and yes. I am. I only figured out last week that it was a joke. And, uh, yes, he was supposed to give me back. She just didn't know, uh, and so I, I, I was, I was happy to help. You know, uh, partially because I was learning so many things. In, you, you can actually use a, a doorknob to open a door, not your head. That was something that took me a bit, but I did. And it's kind He's of a good fun. lad. He's a um, good lad, and I now well. I now know what bilge tastes like. I've been I've had, to, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, I've had to drink quite a bit of bilge because uh, I was told that pumping doesn't work. You must drink it first, and I got yeah. that down. Uh, I, I think I've been helpful um, uh, to to the extent that I can. Um, uh, you know, with with the, the 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 limited number of brain cells I have. Very well handled. Very well handled, Wesley. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And, And um, I like to hit people with sticks, and I'm a donut-eating moron. He is. <laughs> he is a donut-eating moron. We're so proud. With impeccable aim. <laughs> well, he's got to have something good going on, right? In, in all kinds of ways. And what goes better with donuts than whiskey? Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say a good game of splooey, but... You know. <laughs> so does the Bluey stick handler have a name? Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy the Crimp. Okay, uh, yeah, I caught that. All yeah. right, he said it already. He did, but I kind of missed it. I'm sorry. He's His parents Dorsey. are actually from from Montreal, so he goes by Le Crimp. Le Crimp. Oh, 
Okay. So, Jack, the people want to know how how you, babe, how you? Ah, uh, good, Cap. Uh, well, good. I well. Good. Good. Would you well, like to expound on your origin story? I was born a poor black child. Yep, yep. I saw it happen. <laughs> Sorry, that was for Louis. <laughs> <laughs> he, was ex- he was expecting that. I I went to sleep in Deptford and woke up in in Ipswich. As one does. It is alarming. Is that is that after your trip to Scratchy Bottom? No, that was that was after my trip to Bayswater, where I had a relationship with Lord Mayor's daughter. She 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 showed me the hairs. She showed me the hairs of a dicky dada. She personified syphilis. (laughs) (laughs) She she was syphilitic in all in all the best ways. As one is, as one is, faintly of almonds from the mercury pills she took. Every time I ask a question, I'm starting to tremble a little bit. <laughs> you should. You should. I don't. I don't have a job. I'm. I'm at best the captain's weak, simpering right hand because I'm lefty. But wait, you're the one who receives all the missives from the Home Office. I do because I can read. <laughs> you're the interrogator. Ah, ah. I'm the consigularati. And you know uh, your lettering. I know my lettering, and, and I know I know how the captain likes his his eggs with tea. Yes, oh. yes. And Cold you know how you, and, and you know where to get the best penguin. Mm. Penguin a is a galaxy. See, penguin first. is a. Do you know? Do you know what you need to do to get a penguin? What you've got to play the bagpipes. Huh? It's the only thing that'll bring him out. No, 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 right. fucking Arctic, and you park in an ice field. Yeah, and you get some a geologic knob. syncline. Yeah, exactly. You get some stupid ginger named Angus yeah. to prance out on the ice with his hellacious pipes, and he plays them. And fucking the penguins eat it up. They the just fucking, fucking eat it up. <laughs> And the seals and the penguins, they just trance up to him like a great bunch of tits. And then we take Jimmy's stick and we smash their skulls in. And, you know, once you strip the flippers <laughs> off of a penguin yeah, and you marinate it for 70 days yeah. in, some, in some barrels of salt beef and gin, and gin, because it kills the beef taste. Yeah. And you cook it, you cook it, and, and it, it, it must be meticulously prepared, which is what Louis does. He stomps on it with his boots. I call it tenderizing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the only the, way to treat The emperor treat penguin, it. on the average, is five foot tall. Five foot, five, five bloody feet of penguin. Bloody feet of penguin listening to the bloody effing bagpipes. It's like... It's like Dante's 17th layer of hell. It ain't right. It Plus, ain't it's effing right. cold. It's not right. But I do what I'm told, and I, I follow the rules. Good lad. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes yeah. is one trip to Antarctica to change from a stripper flipper to a flipper stripper. Mm. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. One night in Antarctica will make a hard man humble. <laughs> All right, Brad, question. Yes. You yes. said you guys get together now on Zoom a lot. Is this what it's always like? It's a little less organized. <laughs> a little less organized, yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends on if we have pressing business that week or not. The one thing that we do always do is socialize. Yeah, because we, yeah. Well, we, we, we miss each other horribly. We see each other when we're able to get together for a project or a gig, which is on the average about every other month. But COVID was tough. Because oh, yeah. we did not meet for over a year, and that was oh. that was hard. That was really hard. Uh, but the Zoom meetings got us through that. Yeah, you probably know about the problem with the technology, though. We cannot practice 
singing uh, because there's there's a latent delay on oh, everyone's yes. feed. Let's try it. Uh-oh. Why was she born so beautiful? Why was she born at all? It, yes, terrible. That, okay, so that last note did not sound bad at all. Oh, we can do notes. Hello. Doing it in unison. That's completely impossible. But we take care of uh, all the business and we take care of the socializing. Well, I thought it was it was interesting during the the pandemic last year, I think, or two years, two and a half years ago when we were in in the throes of it. We, you know, we we used, I think, those meetings with each other on Zoom to sustain each other. I mean, everyone was Mm -hmm. going through a hard time together. We, oh, yes. we, but it also, I think, sparked some some uh, inventiveness. Yeah. We, we did the uh, shanty shave in a shower series, so we were recording these <laughs> short videos where we were uh, uh, like shaving or showering, <clears throat> and singing a shanty. Um, we did uh, we did a, a series of, of videos. Same thing, just, just singing brief shanties. Um, the, uh, and they actually got playtime on on youtube people are actually because yeah. it was great we still have all of these up so visit youtube subscribe to us because that helps us oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah and just peruse through all those videos all the short subject yeah. videos uh we we <laughs> we, we were just prolific as hell on those and some of them are really funny some of them are motivational yeah and in in all reality i mean we it was an interesting time for us to shift gears and create product even though we were geographically and geometrically (laughs) away from each other and we you know we had the opportunity i'm trapezoidal I'm obtuse, but we had the opportunity to lay down tracks and then layer them. And, you know, Eric has, has a sound system in his house. And so great. You know, now I'm going to get robbed. Week, Thanks. What's that? Now I'm going to get robbed. Thanks. Well, it's a crappy one. Well, it's quite good. possibly house, the worst one. His house and, at Mar-a-Lago. In and Palm. there's angry squirrels. <laughs> there's angry squirrels. Tim has 10 anyone. pounds of cougarans in his house. So don't worry. They're going there now. So since, you're ge- so since you're geometrically away from each other, could you just rename your band to the Hell's Angles? <laughs> <laughs> but Damon brings up a great point. We we were able to get really creative on how yeah. how we could collaborate um, and not be in the same room. So we were able to, you know, one person would sing one line and send it in. We'd upload it to a, a drive, and then the, the next person would add their harmony in, and we'd mix that together and put that back up, and then eventually. We're like, hey, we're getting pretty good at this. We should we should make an album, and we'll, we should call it the Quarantine Sessions because that's <laughs> what it was. And um, so, yeah, it was completely done in quarantine, and and no, but it was it was eighty five percent done in quarantine. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. And then we the last fifteen percent, we got together for a weekend, and we added some instrumentation and cleaned up some stuff and well, added we were some. Still oh, hey, we camped out in the yard. Everybody had their own space. We were, we 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 did. We actually did a live feed. We did more live online performances during the pandemic. In in doing, uh, we did a, a, an event for uh, what is it down in in Carolina? The the arts Charlotte, center, Charlotte Performing Arts Center, Lumenthal. Oh. That's it. Yeah, my God. Did, we it's an Irish name. That sounds Irish. To me. We did a concert on on YouTube. We've done did you several. Know, we've we, we've done several concerts on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And Which we maintain social distance on our YouTube channel, so you can go watch those there. Fantastic. So ironically, even though we were further apart during that time, we were more connected musically, and and we had we had reached a point of every week, sometimes twice a week connecting you know we're all great friends so in in the time of pandemic you look to your friends for support and you know perspective and everything but to be able to have that creative outlet and then consistently maybe not as consistently as some people would have liked because i was always late but (laughs) being able to produce and then no and then and then have a product that we could turn around in the pandemic and provide to people who you know, the year that the the Renfest never was, right. yeah. you know, we were still providing what we do to our fans. And that's As something that could. 
I think I think all of us uh, are extremely proud of. Yeah, we all, are. All twelve of our fans are pretty happy about it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know what you mean, just because my little dinner theater, you know, we obviously had to close, and we were we did some YouTube stuff trying to come up with just ways of keeping our name out there, even if we didn't have a theater. And I know for a lot of us who have non-creative day jobs. It was maddening to not be able to perform, at least yeah. not perform well. Um, it's painful. It is. It's Honestly. Anytime, <laughs> anytime we perform, we try not to perform well. <laughs> okay. What's the something, goal? something that I that's, hear a lot. That's the goal. The goal well, is, hey, let's just not suck so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a so, little more good, a little less suck. Every, every <laughs> time. Every <laughs> single time. You, the easiest thing wanna... that we have to gauge is each other. And if we're making each other happy on stage, we're kind of happy at that. Because that's part of what sells a good act. Are they actually enjoying doing this together? Because so sometimes just... you can look up there and tell. Yeah, well, this, 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 actually leads, this actually leads into something I was about to ask. Is it always like a work in progress, or are you really happy where you, where you are right now? We've been incredibly happy for about eight years now, seven years now. Uh, we changed some focuses. We brought some veteran members of the band back, and we decided that from that moment on, we would be a drama-free band and we would be happy. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing if you just keep your expectations on that, everything else falls into place. Well, Brad, I, I think it's safe to say that we we discovered the cure for cancer. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you fire it and fire it. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and just for clarity, you know, seven years ago, the band was not in a good place uh, organizationally, uh, relationship-wise, and the sound was okay. It wasn't exciting. And uh, Brad called all of us and said, I want to be exciting again. Mm -hmm. I want to I sound like we do when we're together and we're having a great time, but I want to do it every time we perform. And we have not failed in that once in seven years we've worked together i mean brad and i have known each other for almost 40 years yeah we've worked together musically for 35 um, i'm the, I'm the and, youngest in the band as far as tenure and and i'm at like 30 years so yeah <laughs> and, you know, we have, i've ever had <laughs> we have our, our two fiddle players who are not with us tonight uh one has been with the band for almost as long as damon um, one is relatively new, but she's so good on the fiddle. Uh, now, and, the thing about and, Claudia, we've worked with her. Uh, and, yeah. Right, for like 25 years. <laughs> 25 years, because we, uh, at the Maryland Renaissance Festival for many years, management allowed us to set up what we called the pirate camp, and it was it was on set, and it was our green room. Only it was a green room that the patrons could come visit us at we had a tent we had a, a rope fence we had our camp furniture and all it was our... like a petting zoo it was like it was... A that's actually what it was zoo. it was referred to as the pirate petting zoo and i would yeah, always it was like a medium it was, a... it was a medium petting zoo yes oh yes. you would you like to come over and pet a pirate <laughs> oh, and oh, we were across the lane from our favorite tavern the white heart tavern and other bands that played at the White Hart, as long as we got along with them, were m more than welcome to use our pirate camp as a as a, uh, a green room. And a band from Philadelphia, once upon a time, called Gypsophilia, became our besties. Wow. And they lived in the camp with us. And we we would meld and do double sets and the crowd went wild because they saw us all just having a great freaking time. And uh, Claudia was in Gypsophilia. So she's actually played with us for a very long time. She's the only person who is not officially a veteran, but she's an associate veteran. Yeah. And, and if I, if I can, Brad, yes. you, you pointed out something really important. <clears throat> which was you guys were right across from the White Heart Tavern. Right? And I, it, it's to us, it's, oh yeah, it's the White Heart Tavern. But maybe some people listening to this or watching this and our generous hosts, I would like to point out the history that that particular place 
at the Maryland Renaissance Festival was the first ever sit-down pub at any Renaissance Festival in North America. and With a scheduled home, stage. Well, wow. it, it, it didn't have a stage to begin with, and then it was right. a... It was a, a four by six pallet for a number of years, but it was the first festival. They were the first festival with the concept of having a tavern. And now yeah. they have three um, that make them lots and lots and lots of money. Lots and lots. But the taverns allowed them to embrace pub culture. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I want to I go further and say that collectively, our mentor, Peter Benson, God rest his soul. God rest his um, soul. Back in the in in the late eighties, would go to the White Hart Tavern, which smelled new because it had that new tavern smell. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we weren't allowed to leave until the festival closed. But there was no schedule that said we had to do something. So he and some other musicians got together at the White Hart, and they just sit around and share songs. It was and it was like for them. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah, it was like for an audience. Movie. It was just yeah. them sharing songs. Just and sharing songs. Peter grew up in uh, Yorkshire. And he was Yorkshireman. He was the one who came up with the informal name for their gathering. He called it what they called it back in Yorkshire when he was growing up and they were going around pub to sing. They called it a pub sing. Yes. And, and uh, that was the first pub sing at yeah. any festival. That was the first tavern sing. That was the first group sing at the end of the day. And we were there very young and impressionable. And I had mentioned before that I, I took some time away from the pirates. Uh, what, Brad? It was only like 30 years. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Something. <laughs> because the festival wanted me to take over for Peter. Peter had grown this thing in a few short years from musicians hanging out at the end of the day, sharing songs to, holy crap, we've got a pub full of paying customers at the end of the day who want to sing something. And, and he would lead it. And it was, it was magical. It was amazing. Um, it got so big, they built another pub and moved the whole thing over there because it could seat about three times as many people. And, you know, Peter was having some health issues. Management wanted me to step in as sort of a a director. And I did. And by, what, 93, 94, the pub sing had fallen to me. And I grew it from then until 2006, 2007, through three reconstructions of the White Hart Tavern. I was the guy who put sound in the pub because no one could hear us because there was so many people. Uh, I was the guy. The early system was a system of orange juice cans and string. (laughs) Every audience member got their own orange juice can. It was fly fishing line. It was nylon, and it had to be um, three and a half millimeters tops. The sound, the vibration on that was perfect. Yeah, Stunna. but you go five, five millimeters, way too much, way too much. Yeah. Deadens everything. Deadens it. You know, uh, around, around the early aughts, I went to the owner and said, man, we really need some speakers because we're, we're, we're singing and there's hundreds and hundreds of people. They're yeah. packed in. Every seat is taken an hour and a half before the show starts. I mean, Three people, were, people were lining, people were coming in at front gate. And going to the White Hart and Stay holding open. table space just for the end of the day. Yeah. We had season pass holders who uh, who routinely wouldn't show up at fair until like four o'clock because that's when their fair the day pub. started. Yeah, wow. well, the, they wanted the, to be there to get <laughs> seats for pub sing. The entertainment director's husband he, he would come. He would come at five o'clock and park. You know, in, in the in the space he could he got, and then just come to the bar and have a beer and watch the pub sing go home. For, for um, many many well, it was years, church. It was church. We yeah. referred to it as church. Uh, yeah. It was a <laughs> gathering. It was all about the fellowship of of folk music and sharing time with other people in in it, a huge. It, I want, it became I, I so instrumental though that it 
for many years was actually written into the core storyline of the festival. You know, every festival has their storyline with Henry or it does like it was written in. King Henry had his bachelor party at the pub, you know, yep. or uh, the betrothal was at the pub or after the joust, they would celebrate their victory at the pub or the signing of paperwork with Charlemagne. Like it was it. it that was the focal point. Everything in the village came to the Whiteheart at the end of the day. Cast the culmination of the Revel Grove experience. It became, I'm not going to call it a phenomena. It became something that was important to thousands of people. And, And not just the people who came every day and were season pass holders, but people who came once or twice a season, part of my job was to go around and, and sort of warm the crowd up. And for years, I would just walk around with an apron and pick up trash. And I'm saying this because, to get to the bigger point, because the Pirates were the house band. The Pirates were the house band. And none of this could have happened without the five of us and our associates and associates yeah. working together for so many years that it became natural and second nature to us. We didn't have to think really hard about what's going to happen. We were able to make it happen because we could, we could understand each other's cues on stage. We could read each other. We, we knew, you know, I gave everybody a, a, a sort of an outline of what we're going to sing and what's going to happen. And, and we all did it and it worked. I, I've always said that, that the best pub sings are a combination of like a high holy mass in Latin, yeah. a prairie home companion and an Irish bar on St. Patrick's Day. And, and you, you start with the Irish bar and you get to a prairie home companion and you finish with the mass for the sermon you've taken you've taken the audience <laughs> on an emotional arc uh and as a director it's incredibly important that the audience is a buy-in to what you're doing and the buy-in for me starts like i said an hour before the show picking up trash talking to people people that i had never seen before people that i recognized or were like hey jack i i saw you last year how you doing and and i built this following of people who felt like it was home and we heard that term home years and years and years yeah. i feel like i'm home yeah. when i'm at the white heart when yeah. i'm at the pub sing it feels like home because it was we, more than the show gave we yeah. gave them an emotional experience that they can't get anywhere outside of church. Hey, hey yeah. can you can you can you tell the nine eleven story? Mm. So nine eleven happened. I, w- I want to say it was on a Wednesday, and I may be wrong about that. I remember the Thursday, weather was beautiful. It was a Thursday. The, the it was weather was just <laughs> yeah. beautiful, and uh, we we had a meeting on Friday at the festival, and the entertainment director said nobody's going to wear black armbands. We're not going to acknowledge it. We were one of the only events in the DC metropolitan yeah. area that was everything open. else had closed. Uh, yeah. They were worried about security. We we used Anne Arundel County Sheriff's deputies, still do, as security, uh, plain clothes, and, and in patrol cars and uniform. So we added a few more deputies. Um, but it's it's kind of a closed event. Once you get in the gate, you're kind of stuck in there until yep. you try to get out. Uh, and and the the sheriffs are everywhere, so there was never there's never an issue where I ever felt unsafe. The festival being the only event open saw record crowds. It had never seen. I think we had like twenty three or twenty four thousand people one day and twenty six yeah. another day. Yeah. And and trust me, I was there the day that we broke thirty thousand. And I never want to be in that again. I just kept going. <laughs> yeah. I wonder yeah. what would happen if we had another ten thousand people show up today. But the weather was perfect. It was beautiful. It was like mid seventy September. The sky was crisp. The sun was at that angle coming through the trees. We had a band called the Rogues. Uh, great, great. They were like they're like the original bagpipe band that could do yeah. Albanock and everybody want to be. They're an, uh, and they're an origin they're, band, definitely. Their their original lineup was just so dynamic. Yeah, and they they wore black armbands and played the Marine Corps song, and I mean a bunch of stuff. And okay, we're uh, the entertainment. We're like, okay, 
Just nobody else do it. Just nobody else do it. Please. <laughs> we get to the end of the day and I know we're going to have a pub sitting and I'm talking to the entertainment director and she's like, what are you going to do? And I said, we're going to do what we always do. The only thing I want to do different is I want to do something at the very, very end. We're not going to talk about it. It's going to happen. And the way we ended the show was uh, Brad would call out uh, sound eight bells for the end of the watch. And up the hill, we had a vendor with a big bell and he would ring it eight times. And then we would hear. And then I would call fire the evening gun. And there would be a gun. And there would be a relay that you could hear fun. up the hill, fire the evening, fire the evening. Every night, every night, it's dead quiet. Those bells ring, and it was dead quiet. 600 people, dead quiet. That night, it was dead quiet. And they rang the bells, and we had two trumpeters in the royal court, and I put one right behind us on the ground behind the stage, and one up the hill where the where the bells were and they played military taps call and response. Oh, wow. And we didn't and fire no the one, gun. We didn't fire the gun for the rest it, of that season. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah. It was, it was so amazingly quiet because people understood we were doing something respectful, not for our benefit, for their benefit. We were giving them the release that they needed and the respect that they needed. And in that moment, it was just magical. And the fact that no one on cast had burdened them all day long with talking about what everyone was talking about. And we didn't say, hey, we're going to do something for 9-11 if you folks in the back, you know, yeah. there was nothing like that. In I mean, fact, you didn't have to say that. Everyone was thinking that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, there, of course, everything was about 9-11. It but really it was, was also about a celebration of life in spite of 9-11, which king, had only happened two days earlier. Yeah. The king, who was, uh, he was, what, six foot eight? And what would we say, guys? Three, three fifty? Easy. I mean, oh. he, was, he was a former college linebacker. Um, he was a bigger he was, and better Henry than Henry ever was. <laughs> wow. And also a wonderful actor where I could whisper something in his ear and he would be like, got it. I'm on it. And he would never fail. And we, we were, I think it was the 25th anniversary of, the, of Maryland. So we had written a whole show about it. And I took parts of some Shakespeare where I think it was King John or Richard II, maybe this place, this earth, this England. And I had, I had sort of put it together in a speech for him and he would deliver that every night at the pub. So that night when he delivered it and he finished with God bless England and God bless all of us. And then these trumpets went, it was not mm. a dry eye in the house. It was I amazing. Mean, and, and again, it was solemn and respectful and religious and and that's the stuff we did on a daily basis and i couldn't i couldn't do it without all of you guys you know and, and in fact the one time i met uh jeffrey from crf he came to maryland and he wanted he wanted to know how he could get this and he was motioning to you all singing on stage <laughs> at his festival and get the pub sing at his festival and i said well you have to hire me and you have to hire them. <laughs> and you gotta so it's interesting that we're all there. <laughs> gotta build yeah, and think... those are moments that are just so magical for performers, and yeah. you just remember it forever. Yeah, that sounds glorious. So you know, have... there, there's we we get these moments all the time, and uh, there's another story I want to hear because I think it's important. Um, I think Kat, you're going do, there. do you want to tell the? Do you want to tell the? The World War II pilot story? Spitfire pilot. Mm. It's one of my favorite takeaways. Uh, working at FAIR all these years, if I've learned anything, it's the lesson I learned from this day. We had been an act at FAIR for about four or five years. So just enough to be really cocky. <laughs> uh, and we were doing a morning set. Wait, wait, we're cocky? Yeah, right. Anyway, we were doing a morning set at a place called uh, Middleton's, and it's a small tavern at Fair. It's now called O'Shucks. It's a raw bar. <laughs> Maryland is a Ren Fair with a raw bar. I repeat, a raw bar. Anyway, so we were doing a morning set at this place, and there was, uh, there was one guy, older guy, who was having a great time, having a great time. And 
when we finished, he offered to buy us around, and we just sat and talked with him for a while. And he was a not, not Eric. He was underage. There was no drinking. Yeah, right. <laughs> Eric certainly did not join. No drinking, him. none whatsoever. So anyway, uh, talking with this guy, we found out that uh, well, first of all, the obvious thing: he was British. He knew some dirty songs, and he was a Spitfire pilot during World War II. Wow. During the Battle of Britain, he he sent Nazis to firing fiery deaths, and you know what? Good on him. Wait, 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 Brad. I want to remind you that my uncle brought down single-handedly brought down more Nazi pilots in the Battle of Britain than anyone else. Really, really. Oh my goodness! The worst panic for the Luftwaffe. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and and that's a Ricky Gervais joke. I was about to say, thank you, Ricky Gervais. Thank you, thank you for being for creating the perfect joke. My uncle died at Auschwitz. He fell out of the guard tower. (laughs) So anyway, um, so this guy had a great story, and he taught us a really wonderful song, uh, a dirty song that he used to sing uh, while he was fighting Nazis. And and then we parted ways. We had a great day. I found out later he had had a great day. So a couple of weeks later, one of our young actor ensemble members came up and said, I want to thank you guys for showing my grandpa a great day yesterday. I said, oh, who's your grandfather? Well, he's British. And I said, oh, the Spitfire pilot. And he said, well, yeah, yeah, that, that's what he did. How is he doing? Which is a dangerous question to ask under lots of circumstances because you never know when you're going to get the answer. We just buried him this week. Yeah. Uh, And I, uh, I said, Oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear this. Was this a sudden thing? And he said, my grandfather found out a year ago that he was dying of inoperable cancer and that there was no saving him and that maybe he had a year left. Now, you have to understand something about my grandfather. He went through World War II. He and every other Brit experienced that war like, like very few Americans did. First right. of all, everybody knew families that were gone. Everyone knew family members who had died. It was just an awful, awful time, and he promised himself that he would always have a joke at the ready. He would always have a a song loaded to sing for someone that he would spend the rest of his life making people around him happy and smile because it was that important to him. He was just that kind of a guy until he found out he was dying. He saw his mortality before his own eyes and he lost that part of himself being happy, the want and need to make others happy around him. It all stopped. And for the previous year, for that past year, he had been a glum, very introspective man who, who who didn't seem to enjoy anything until he came to the Maryland Renaissance Festival. It was his first time at in, any Ren Fair. And he saw us, not to say that we're the that magic band, but what we were doing was right up his alley. He recognized some of the songs. He certainly recognized our sophomoric we were idiots. And, uh, I would say I would say rugby team humor. Yes, we, yes our, our rugby team humor. And he appreciated that. And so he came out of this funk. Little did we know this. So he died a happy man. And, and the thing that I took away from that, and I think all of us really got to experience this, you never know how you're going to affect someone in your audience. It's, it's a sacred thing. Yeah. And if you if you impart any kind of negativity on a person, you could ruin their whole day. Hell, for all you know, you could ruin their life. And it goes the other way. And we were lucky enough to hear the end of that story and find out that we were actually part of what brought this guy back yeah. from a daily funk of doom and gloom that he had experienced for a solid year. And all it took was just singing the songs we did and the way we did and sitting down with them and just Just being being regular. Yeah. 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 And, um, Brad, 
how how many times did someone come up and say, Captain, Captain, uh, uh, and you, you're like, okay, I don't know who you are, but okay, sure, I'll answer yeah. to that. And they, uh, oh, I, it's his first time at the festival. I want you to meet my grandson. <laughs> yeah. Or my or my son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and you're like, wow. And and I I told him he's got to come and he's got to dress like a pirate and meet the pirates. He's got to come. He's got to go to the pub scene and meet Jack. I mean, this happened. So funny. We've seen kids grow up and have kids, yeah. and we've seen those kids grow up and have kids that they bring yeah. to fair. I know in one situation, I've actually seen three generations. You know what? The, you know what that means? We're old boys. Watch it. Yes, we're old. We're old. We're, old. <laughs> we're enduring. Season. You're iconic. Yes, you're you're iconic. Yeah, that's what you are. You're iconic. I like that better. I like that better. It has a good sound. <laughs> we're vintage. It sounds viable. Wait, wait, we're wait, viable. Wait. I'll use one that the kids are using now. Your retro, which means old but really cool. Okay, I'll take that. Iconic sounds like colonic, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> ah, high iconic. I'm it's having a high better. iconic in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go out, I was going to ask how often you perform since you're so far spread it out spread out and um what are your upcoming shows our next show is is going to be at the carolina renaissance festival Woo-hoo! Um, we'll get to see you yep we'll be there november for pirate christmas weekend and we are very proud to be able to say that we have been playing pirate christmas weekend at crf for at least since 98 maybe 97 and it's been annually one of our very favorite gigs now seven years ago i moved i moved from maryland to uh, north carolina and i've actually been working crf full-time so i'm here the whole season but every year the band comes back that one weekend and we love, yeah. I mean, we really love CRF, is. but it's really about the Smiley's fried chicken oh. all over there. Smiley's chicken. Oh my god. Yeah. And and we're the only pirate band on Pirate Christmas Weekend that sings Pirate Christmas Carols. That's, That's right. Just Very That's right. true. Fantastic. You know, now, I, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just going to say that there there is a flowing thread through all of this, and I, and I think it's important, and I think all of us work at this all the time. Syphilis. It's mm-hmm. it's about impact. Syphilis. How, how do we impact? How do we impact the people that will share their time with us, yeah. and then how do they impact us? We, you know, anybody that's performed on stage can recognize the synergy between the performer and the audience, Definitely. and whatever we feed into the audience comes back at us. Yeah. There, there have been occasions Any fold. Like that time at the, the, the old folks home where it <laughs> <laughs> really kind of didn't work. Right. But for the most part, we are so in tune with each other that it's infectious. And then the audience buys in as soon as the audience buys in, it elevates everything and it becomes a synergistic experience. And yeah. I would I would share the story, <clears throat> I believe it was three years ago, four years ago, right before the pandemic, that we had our final set on a stage that is normally not a not a focused stage. At the end of the day, when we came to this stage, every seat was full. Nice. And we looked at each other and before we could even put anything out there, we had this outpouring of energy to us. And we did probably one of the best shows we've ever done. Absolutely. What was amazing about it is that it was a 30 minute show and it went about an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. We just kept going. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it felt like it was, you know, an hour and 20 minutes. It felt like we were right where we were supposed to be and everybody was right where they were supposed to be. And that's the goal. That's what we strive for. We strive for that between all of us. And there are these moments that we look at each other like, oh my God, that was amazing. Those sweet, pure notes that we look across, you know, the W or the U, whatever formation we're in, we're like, I hear you and I just made the perfect sound for you. And, and, it, and it speaks to the music we make. But yeah. there's also the ability at any moment for 
any of us to come up with a line or a quip or three words to blast out there that will that will shatter the moment into harmonic peals of laughter <laughs> generating from us because we still, after all this time, are able to crack each other up. Yeah. Whether it's new material or old and just said in a different way, we are still so in tune with each other that we're able to make each other laugh. And if we can make ourselves laugh after all of these years, damn sure right we can make other people laugh because we love what we do. We love what we put out there and we love what we get back. Mm-hmm. We are only as good as each other and the audience. Well said. And that's well something said. that we have never forgotten. Actually, Damon, I think if you don't mind, this is a little off topic, but one of the things I get to do for workshops at CRF is I teach a Know Thy Village class, which is basically CRF 101. And I try to teach our newbies not just how to perform, but why we're out there. And mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to explain until you're actually out there. But I think that whole thing you just said, I'm going to like save and play for our new people. You have, you have covered it perfectly. Because that is just exactly what I'm trying to yeah. impart to our new people. And it's not always easy to put into words. Mm-hmm. And and truth be told, <laughs> we're, we're going to be down there in a little bit over a month. So if you want to set up any sort of uh, remedial class, I'm sure <laughs> that... As long as there's a flowing bar, we're happy. Uh, I, speak, I speak remedial. <laughs> so I, I have a question. Oh, no. Do yes. you guys have a rendition of Da Vinci's Notebook, another Irish drinking song? Uh, <laughs> how many times Not have yet. I suggested that? <laughs> yes, we we don't have it yet, but if Jack gets his way, we will. Oh, it's such a great song, and it would fit. That's what I think. I think. We have come to the he end could. of our questions. Yes, we have. And if we ask any more, we'll be here for five hours. So, yep. <laughs> with your permission, gentlemen, what I we do, go ahead and it's wrap what it we do. Yes, and it's been so much fun. Oh, this is so fun, guys! This is absolutely fun. Between oh, we've tonight had a good and time. last night, we just we we've loved getting to talk to Fletcher Moon right. and the Pirates Royale and you as yourselves and honestly we cannot wait to see you out there yes and we wish well, you, you guys best. are we so only... much fun it's a delight <laughs> doing this with you we Thank only get you. to see you when you come to music house so i hope to escape and maybe watch a set sometime yeah yeah the queen will deal with it on her own we're gonna bounce over to you guys hey the queen always makes one of our sets i'm just saying yes yeah. she yeah. always finds there. a way to make one of her sets because well, she, hopefully we can she be and we go one. back a ways too she makes us make one of her sets. Brad and I were there the first, yeah. the first year that she was uh, the fairy queen at, oh, Georgia. Wow, at Georgia. And she was a young, young lady. And Brad <laughs> and I Brad and I pestered her aimlessly for a weekend. <laughs> and, and she says she's got a, a, a love letter that I wrote her in <laughs> 20, 20 some years ago. So what you can always ask uh, 2000. Okay, well after my time. Yeah. And mine. So it was the first. W her still first had game. that new president smell. <laughs> I think I went to Georgia in the Clinton era, so. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> and this was at their new their new site, the new Georgia. Yeah. Nice. Well, I so in uh, recent years, you kidnapped the queen. That's fun. Yes. As one does. As one does. Yep. Indeed. Well, so all right. Us, and then Cheers. like us, damn few left. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Our so pleasure. Much. So once again, thank you for joining us here at Southern Fried Spooky. <laughs> We're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you had fun. It was probably not the cleanest show we've ever done. But oh, but it was fun. It was absolutely oh, fun. Oh, yes, it was hilarious. So do send us an email. Let us know how you feel. Yeah. Give us some stars. And don't worry, we are absolutely going to do a few spooky things coming up soon, mm-hmm. but we are also doing some more alternative lifestyle stuff. Yeah, some some more piratey stuff, maybe. But we, uh, yeah, we're having fun with this whole Halloween month because oh, Halloween yeah. lasts a month. Oh, now. yeah, no. Halloween is all of October. <laughs> so, until next time, my good gentles, I remain your Carolina girl. And I am your Florida man. Fare thee well, y'all. <laughs> yeah, like she said, bye, y'all. Okay, so seriously, I have not laughed so hard in a while. I don't know if you're going to leave it in, but do you think penguins taste good? Maybe. I've never <laughs> had penguin before, but I, I that, thanks to them, I may actually have to try it. Curious. Go down, your blood red roses, go down. Oh, 
sun, dear sun, come home from sea. Go down, you blood red roses, go down. Oh, your pink sand posies. Go down, you blood red roses, go down. Now, one more pull and that will do. Go down, your blood red roses, go down. For we're the ones to pull her through. Go down, your blood red roses, go down. Oh, your pink sand posies. Go down, your blood red roses, go down. Oh, your pink sand posies. Go down, your blood red roses, go down.